It's Thirsty Thursday on the field of 12 after dark. I'm Greg Waddell. I'm joined by my running back, Darian Rancher, my quarterback, Clint Sterner. We are here powered by Bet Rivers, as always, on the Sirius XM app. You can watch us on YouTube as well. Click that subscribe, that like. Every click helps. And, of course, I got a flaunt, boys. We got a new merch store out here, the field of 68.shop. Go ahead and get yourself a shirt. We got a lot in the works there. More shirts to come. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I think it looks fantastic. So check that out as well. But, gentlemen, it's good you, to be I need you. Hold on, G. I need you one more time. Where, where, where can I go to get that, that uh, clean-ass shirt you got on that somebody just must have forgot to send me one of them? Well, first of all, we sent you a shirt because I'm the guy who did it, Clint. So we got it. We got to work with your ops folks, okay? But Field of Sixty Eight dot shop is where you can go for merch, and that's probably only the second of nine times you're going to hear me say that tonight, uh-huh. gentlemen. Let's uh, let's start our thirsty Thursday off with some toast, shall we, Clint? I'm going to go to you first here. Give me uh a- anything, anywhere you want to go. This something you're excited about, something from last week, something for this week upcoming. What do you got? Who are we toasting to? Well, I, I, here's what I'm going to do because I, this is something that I'm gonna be honest. I just I just saw this today, and I probably should have known this, but um, the University of Texas. See, I married I married a Longhorn, G. I married a Longhorn, and 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 up in up in Arkansas, it's not the most popular thing, but hell, some of us can get away with it. You know what I mean? But um, to start this season, you see, Steve Sarkeesian, the best thing that had happened at Texas was was a, a stripper's monkey, right? That was the biggest. That was the the most talked about thing in Texas in in over twelve months, D. You know what I'm talking about? Well, don't look now. Don't look now, boys. But Baylor right now is ranked two spots above the University of Texas. And all hell has broke loose at the other universities here. There is a chance. There is a chance with a little help from my Razorbacks that Sarkeesian and the Longhorns could be the highest ranked team in the state of Texas if Baylor loses and if Arkansas handles their business against A&M. So I'm gonna, I'll tell you what, here's to doing away with the – the strippers monkey being the most talked about thing in Austin and Sarkeesian and them boys doing their damn thing. I hope, I hope Razorbacks win, Baylor loses, and the University of Texas is the highest ranked school in Texas for a change. Good gosh, they need something good happening in Austin. Cheers. 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 Um, that's a, that's, that, was a, that was a great take there, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go um, – uh, just kind of more, I uh, will go different, different, different way. But I know my 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 team is playing uh, Wake Forest this week, and I think just Sam Harmon. Don't know exactly what all happened uh, with him and his situation, but at the same time, just to see that it'd be as scary and as national news as it was to see him back on the field. I'm gonna salute him. I he doesn't do what I, he's always capable of this week, so we get this W. But I salute to Sam Harmon for getting back on the field. College football needs him. So, cheers. Boy, that's ballsy, D. You go with the Clemson opponent this week. Well done. You're a solid-ass dude, man. That's bold. Yeah, that was hey, – I learned, was I, I'm learning quickly. Hey, I'm going to support my guys, but I can't be a biased guy in this business. You know what I'm saying? I got to go. give it give it and take it. You know what I'm saying? I got to give it and take it. That's yeah. right. That's a good old hat tip. 
Hope you play well. Wink, wink for this weekend. I see you, Darian. Okay. Uh, look, I, I'm going to go a, a third route here. There was a, a, a saying that on basketball, I always used to, I grew up with this. And maybe that's why I never played any significant level of competitive basketball. But uh, I always liked guys who not only would go get you a bucket, but they would let you know that they just gave you a bucket. That was my kind of guy, right? right. This week, there was a quarterback in college football who wasn't afraid to get out there and let some people know he's got something to say. That was Drake may from North Carolina. He called out the NC state fan base. He called out the NC state. He told them that, Oh, the only people who go there are the ones that can't get into Carolina and gentlemen, he quickly had to issue an apology. I'm sure somebody somewhere in North Carolina came down on that real fast, but it was a shame for me to see because I think we need more of that. I think we need a little more of fun in college football. And uh, I agree for a quarterback like that, a young guy to come out and not be afraid to step in the spotlight and say that. Cheers to you, Drake May. I love to see it. Cheers. And I'm going to say, I don't even think it was worth that much of an apology. I feel like it was like a respectful rivalry jab. You know what I'm saying? I feel like even NC State fans like, oh, okay. It's as a little something to it. I don't think nobody was really offended, but somebody from China be super PC and made him come out with a statement. But I feel like it was a appropriate jab. You know, add some spice to the, to, the, to the conversation. Yeah, we need a little seasoning, especially in rivalries, right? And he wasn't afraid to go there, so I salute him. All right, let's. Uh, we alluded to this already, but we're going to talk both of these guys' teams tonight. We're going to talk about Darian's Clemson Tigers. We're going to get to Clint's Arkansas Razorbacks. But we're going to start with a statement game in the SEC this week. And that's the Florida Gators and the Tennessee Volunteers. At this point, if you've listened to anything the Field of 12 has done, you followed the narrative on Anthony Richardson from gassing up to is he a top five player in the country to, oh my goodness, we're three weeks into the season and he still hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. There's a big pendulum with this kid. He is talented as hell. But right now it's fair to say he is struggling. They almost lost to South Florida last week. Huge interception when they could have sealed the game. Gave South Florida a second life. Ultimately, the Gators sneak away with a win. Clint, you're our quarterback here tonight. I'm going to go to you first. Why is Anthony Richardson struggling the way that he is at this point in the season to your eye? Well, look here. If I had the answer to that right there, I'd I'd call my man out at Florida, and I'd probably – I'd sell him a quick tip for a cool million dollars if I had the answer to that one, G. Look, I I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback look so good in week one versus a very, very good opponent and then look like he was in a total different headspace. He hasn't just struggled in terms of his stat lines or he hasn't just struggled if you and I go watch the film and we discuss what's going on. It's ugly on all fronts. The craziest thing about Anthony Richardson to me personally as being a quarterback is when I watch him struggle, it appears that he goes into a place mentally where he can't recover. It appears that he shuts down. It appears that he blocks every everything and everybody out. And I'm just going strictly off of watching the TV copy and watching a lot of the TV copy, watching a lot of this kid play. His facial expressions are completely different. He's almost distant from his squad. So I don't I don't know exactly what causes it. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So I, I can't speak to their X's and O's. 
But it just I've never seen a swing from one extreme of, of being on top of the world and and show just showcasing an unbelievable talent to not playing well, appearing to be lost, and just shutting yourself off to to everything that's going on in that stadium. Um, I don't have the answers. If I had the answers, I'd, I'd make me a cool million real quick. But I tell you, it, it's a it is it's a damnedest thing. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this in a three game stretch with a quarterback. So, Darian, I want to get your perspective here because from my the times that I've done shows with you, we've we've talked a little bit about your time at Clemson and the guys you right. played with. But but specific to this situation with Anthony Richardson, right? Crazy expectations thrown upon right. one guy, and you played with DJ, who has sort of rode that roller coaster from, oh my God, he's God's gift to football to, oh my God, he's not what we thought he was on a week to week basis. And you've, you've seen up close behind closed doors, what a person has to deal with when they're thrown into that setting. What is that like in a locker room and how does that affect the other guys who you can look across the room and see that there's all this pressure on a guy who's just not living up to expectations? Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that comes with the territory, especially the position of playing quarterback. It just comes with it. And so as much praise, I think the quarterback probably gets sometimes more praise than they should, and they get more criticism than they should. It kind of goes both ways. And so sometimes when things are going well, they might be people might be thinking they're doing way better than what they really are because the ship's just rolling. And when things are going bad, he may be catching way more psych than, than he's supposed to, but at the same time, that's, it's kind of – you got to take both. Um, and so for me – I think kind of what he, going off what Clint was saying is just I would love to see him kind of get get back zoned in. I can def, I've seen uh, what can happen if you, you kind of get down like two game stretch where you you're just not in a rhythm. I feel like it's to be a good game for him to kind of get back on track, or it could be one of those things that could just continue to hit that tipping point, just continue to spiral down. And I don't know what the backup situation is like if we don't to have a competitive number two. That's a big deal too. I think a lot. of number two it kind of puts a rightful pressure on the guy it's almost worse when a guy is struggling and they want you don't have a, ba- a good backup because he's just in there just like drowning and he's just like i just got to keep going out there it's almost more detrimental to me when that's the case and so and just kind of turn the page a little bit on, on especially for this game i think hendon hooker is having a season that people thought anthony richardson would have and i think hendon hooker has been playing solid like he come off, he came off a good season last year, transferred in from BT, and now building off that because he won last year. Now he's the guy going to into to this year. They're three and zero. They're rolling and they're putting up points. And so that they, they kind of had two easy games. To me, this is going to be. To me, this this is Florida's game to really solidify what they're going to be about this season. Are they going to be a team who had a big rank win the first week, lose the second week, and then struggle against a, a lesser opponent? going to be the to rise up. And to me, Tennessee, this is their first like – they, they beat Pitt, but I feel like first, like, kind of continuation challenge of, like, who are they going to be? Are they going to be a team that's really going to be competitive on that side? And so I think both teams – sta- it's a statement game for both for, for both sides and for both quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a, it's a great segue to the Tennessee quarterback, Hendon Hooker. Uh, we actually do a series here at the Field of 12 called the QB Room, and our own George Whitfield got to break down some film of Hendon Hooker himself. We're going to show you a clip from that next. Hey, welcome back to the Field of 12 After Dark. This is George Whitfield. 
Today, we're going to break down one of the most underrated quarterbacks in all of college football. I'm talking about Hendon Hooker, uh, star quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. Really, he's the catalyst for probably the most exciting high-volume offense in all of the SEC and one of the baddest in the country. I want to take a, uh, a couple looks here at some of the things he does unique. Everybody kind of looks at him like a highlight machine, but let's go in and take a look at some of the things he really is capable of doing. First of all, you got to understand this man is six foot four, 220 pounds, Virginia tech transfer mobile out there on the edge. He has a real nice knack for playing catch. And you think, isn't that what quarterbacks are supposed to do? No, not all the time. A lot of guys kind of pitch. This kid throws with a lot of, a lot of uh, what we call customer service. There you go again. You see some of that big dog in him, take it on some of these design quarterback powers. But there's another soft toss to the tight end up the gut. I really like how Tennessee and Josh Heupel have this system really retrofit around some of the things he does. You can get these easy 15, 20-yard plays and then right back to the quick strike. Tennessee does a lot of quick strike plays. As we look through this highlight tape here, a lot of generated quarterback runs, uh, called quarterback runs, and a lot of first target strike throws, meaning oftentimes they have ways to scheme their number one receiver open is what you're seeing a lot here. It allows him to get the ball out, takes a lot of pressure off the offense, and he makes a lot of quick, easy decisions, and he's very decisive about it. Uh, this man is really well-rounded. Here you see him here. I love the mechanics. Easy, repeatable, no stress, knows right where the ball is, and therefore can locate the ball downfield to wide receivers. Again, killer threat down here in the red zone, tough to really deal with. The Gators have their hands full, as you really can't anchor on one side uh, of his skill set or the other. Keep him in the pocket could be a problem. Flush him out of the pocket could also be a problem. Look at the ball placement as this young guy's throwing the ball. Honestly, in this league, in the SEC, he's probably the most all-around all quarterback uh, and just passer of the ball right behind Bryce Young. And there are a lot of great players down in the SEC. But again, quick strike. It's a downhill uh, threat constantly by Tennessee and they want to get the ball to him and let him make quick decisions. And they like chunk plays, chunk plays, 15, 20 yard plays. You don't see a ton of East West in Tennessee's game. Here he goes again, straight downhill. It's a threat. This puts a lot of pressure on safeties because he's either up and there's another quick strike with a post to put stress on safeties or he's coming downhill. Here you go again. Again, notice not a ton of time with the ball in his hands. The very nature of this offense is to apply pressure, not to sit back, read, absorb, and then try to sort things out. The accuracy, easy, customer service, you know, as we call it on the football field, and again, this man is six foot four, 220 pounds, and he's all around capable.
A special shout out to George Whitfield, as we mentioned, for the incredible breakdown of Hen and Hooker. You can watch the full version of that on the Field of 12 YouTube channel. All right, boys, the Tennessee side of this game, Darian alluded to it a little bit, but big opportunity for a team that, from my eye, people are still not taking incredibly seriously, at least not as like an SEC champion level team, right? There's levels to this. I say that all the time and there's still a big leap they got to make, but this team has passed the test thus far this season and they're 10 and a half point favorites at home. Clint. I mean, that number jumped out to me and the gambler within me is like, Holy crap. Are we, are they, are they 11 points better than this Florida team? Do you expect Tennessee to come into this game and secure a double digit victory? Well, look, that's a tough question, man. And, and, and the gambler in me says stay the hell away from it, right? I mean, here's here's the thing is when you look at Florida, it's all about Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson has played three games at home, and we've seen a major swing in his, in his psyche, if you will, on the football field, his football psyche, that is. Um, look, I've had the worst night of my life in, in Neyland Stadium back, back in the day. This place is an absolute monster. I mean, they got 100-plus thousand. They're going to be rocking and rolling. Anthony Richardson has never experienced anything like this in terms of actually playing for four quarters. Um, if, if you get the Utah Anthony Richardson, then I like Florida getting 10 and a half. If you get what we've seen the last two weeks, hell, this will be a three-touchdown ball game, and Tennessee will be singing Rocky Top so loud we'll hear it down here in Houston, unfortunately. That, that still rings in my damn ears for some reason. Um but, but, yeah, look, I mean, Tennessee is to – your, to your point when, you, when we first came out of Georgia's quarterback breakdown, don't ever count Tennessee out and don't ever count Florida out. They've always got dudes that can match up against the best of the best man for man. And now Tennessee's got a quarterback, which you just saw some of the best of. And not only is he – do they have a great quarterback – they got a great play caller in Josh Heupel. They see it through the same lens. And my man's got not one, not two, but three wide receivers. Hell, there may be more than that right now if we're being completely honest. His wide receivers, guys, check this out, D. His wide receivers, when he's throwing the football to a wide receiver, they're averaging 15-plus yards per catch as a whole. And I'm looking at the list. There's, there's 15 of them on here. As a, all of them together, when he throws the football, it leaves his hand and a wide receiver catches it. They're 15 plus yards per. That's big, man. That's not a one man show. That's not a great quarterback. That's a great play caller and all of the above doing absolute work. Tennessee's got a real chance here, fellas, not only to cover that 10 and a half, but they got a real chance to cause a lot of problems in the SEC East. Yeah, I think right. you're right. All right, uh, Darian, anything you want to add on Tennessee? I feel like that put a nice little bow on this from both sides, unless you have something before we move to Arkansas, Texas A&M here. Anything else? Yeah, only, only thing I would add, I think looking at that game, I think it's a – Tennessee's got a big stretch coming up. Uh, when they, they play Florida, LSU, and Bama. I think this is a big game. If you look at like, this, the totality of a season, it's a, like a really big confidence game. I thought like they win this game, some confidence to, to pay LSU to play Bama. And it'll just be, they kind of need this win because, to me, these next three games can get ugly. And I feel like this would be a good win to kind of salvage because I don't know if they're going to – I'm not a Tennessee fan, but I'm rooting for them. I don't think they're going to they beat Bama. You know, 
W. That I feel they got to get to just maintain ranking status and to stay competitive in that side of the division. So I feel like it's a, it's a big game for them. I like Tennessee over Florida. I don't think Florida has shown they can stop anybody, and Tennessee is known right now for scoring points. So that's so kind of where I see that game going. So what you're saying is this is one of those wins that an SEC team needs just to sustain hope that you could beat Bama when you get to Bama, right? One of those. One hundred percent. Because because then if you go to me, if you lose this game, if you get against LSU, you go into that game with no. The best thing you can do is go into that game still beat it and just play your heart out and hope for the best and get a moral victory. If you win, you win. If you don't, hell, we we got one loss in SEC. That's how I look at the season. And, I mean, obviously Tennessee wants to upset Bama, but at the end of the day, like, it's Bama. Yeah, there's there's levels to this, as I always say. All right, let's move across the SEC here uh, to Clint's own Arkansas Razorbacks. Big game this week, ranked matchup, Arkansas-Texas yeah. A&M. And I was saying backstage, guys, I need you guys to tell me who Texas A&M is right now. I'm baffled by this team. I know they had the quarterback change last week. I watched as much of the Texas A&M Miami game as I could. I was impressed with the way that defense responded. And I think that defense is for real. And I think the Arkansas offense is for real, which bodes well for a very interesting matchup, Clint. Big spot for KJ Jefferson. Uh, what, what's your expectation for your Razorbacks in this game? I expect them to win this football game. I mean, it's, it's the first time in a, in a long time that Arkansas has gone into a football game against one of the the, the bigger SEC opponents. I say bigger. When I, when I say bigger, I'm talking about LSU, Alabama, A&M, uh, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia out of the East, and big boys in the East that just have typically have a deeper roster uh, and better Jimmys and Joes. And this year with Arkansas, Sam Pittman's done a hell of a job of building depth. He's done a hell of a job of getting guys to come back and keeping guys together. And – um, this is the first game this season where I would say Arkansas is up against an opponent that was ranked top 10 preseason, and they've got the better football team. They've got the better Jimmys and Joes. Um, the, the matchups, whether you look at this thing statistically from a matchup perspective uh, or you watch the film from a matchup perspective, Arkansas is the better football team. Um I think it's very simple, G. This this football game comes down to if you look at it's strength on strength. The strength of Arkansas's football team is is their offensive downhill power run game, and you look at A and M's defense. I think A and M's defense is for real. They're young. They're coming. That's the best part of what we've seen at A and M right now. Arkansas's strength is significantly better than A and M's strength. And then when you flip it on the other side, A and M's offense has struggled mightily. And Arkansas's defense has struggled from time to time. And I just believe that Arkansas's defense sitting there, they're really good against the run. They lead the nation in sacks. Um, I, I think Arkansas's weakness is their defense, if there is one. And I think that, that A&M's weakness is their offense. And our weakness is better than theirs. So I think from a matchup, matchup perspective, Arkansas wins this ball game. And uh, Arkansas has got a lot of momentum as well right now, guys, and, and A&M doesn't. I think there's there's a lot of questions right now in, in A&M with what we've seen through the first three weeks. So I'm, I'm going to play the host mode devil's advocate here, Clint, because you said if there is one for a, a, a question mark for Arkansas, right? Yeah. Here, here's my question mark. 27 points given up to Missouri State. 30 points given up to South Carolina. I know that they've got a dynamic quarterback, that's for sure. 
24 points given up, all 24 in the second half to Cincinnati when I really thought Arkansas had a chance to sort of just put their stamp on that game and run away with it, let them hang around a little bit. So I guess let's throw this to Darian first. Are you buying this Arkansas defense? And even for a Texas A&M that has question marks offensively, is there something to be said when you look at a defense that through three weeks has given up those type of numbers where maybe that rejuvenates a struggling offense mentally going into a game like this? Look, here's my here's my take on Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is getting the benefit of a lot of success that have been a long ago. I think Jimbo Fisher is getting the benefit of a state success, which has been long ago. I don't think he's done anything in Texas A&M to really – or even back why people keep ranking them or making like making their name bigger than what it is. I think Texas A&M is an okay football team. I think Arkansas, when you hear that, when you hear the matchup, your name, your mind automatically goes, hey, Texas A&M should, should win. Or you look at the teams, I think Arkansas is a better team. I think you look at the quarterbacks, like KJ Jefferson is a lot, playing a lot more solid than what they got going to Texas A&M. Um, you, you spoke of kind of like the, the defensive side of Arkansas. Can A&M – And that's kind of what I have for them. Is like I don't think they're like they're off. You lost me. Oh, we lost you for a sec, but I think we got you back. We right. just revived back. you, Darren. Look, I'm back. <laughs> Come on, I'm sorry. Look, I'm back. Um, and so my 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 take on I just don't think A and M all around is better than Arkansas. I think Arkansas has 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 like I would tip my hat to them for this game. Um, and then the last question I of them or just thought is. They're playing, they're playing A&M at home. So I thought they're going to play harder, especially having an absent loss. This To me, it's a big game for Jim Fisher and A&M because they real deal could be two and two after this week. And they play Bama in two weeks, which I think, which I'm going to say it again, I don't see them, them beating Bama. They could be three and three after six games, after being a top 10 team. And so I would want to see if I was an A&M fan to get this thing because you need it, but – Things that in college station can get real ugly after week six. Rich, this is the, the, one. Just one real quick correction. It's in Dallas, so they're actually the home team, but it's a neutral. Oh, it's in Dallas. It's in Dallas. Neutral, it's a neutral site. Okay. Yeah, but but check this out. Here's the deal. This is a must-win game for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, Fact. I asked. I Fact. asked. Look, I asked everybody I knew in Texas, A&M fans outside, all the college football analysts, George Whitfield, everybody. I said if. if if Jimbo Fisher finishes eight and four and fifth in the West again, is he on the hot seat? Oh no, man! What the hell are you talking hot seat? I, and every and everybody answers it that way. I'm the only one that's like, no, he's on the hot. And look, he's clearly not legitimately on the hot seat. He's got a ninety million dollar buyout. I know. He's got maroon I know. money in College Station. They're not going to buy his ass out. But when it's all said and done, if if he loses to Appalachian State. Then loses to Arkansas, and he finds a way to somehow finish eight and four, seven and five. There is going to be an uproar in College Station. It may not be hot because they can't fire him. It's, it's not ninety million hot, but gee, it is going to be hot, son. It's going to be hot. Here, the only way. Here's how. Here's how. Because you're right to your exact question, G. Arkansas secondary is struggling. They've been down three defensive backs in the last two weeks, one of them being a preseason All-American. That's a, a big-time game changer. Jalen Catalan, difference maker. But but with that said, 
the numbers you rattle off should be significantly worse because the Cincinnati quarterback was awful in the first half of that ball game. So the secondary is a, is a major problem for Arkansas. The numbers overall, that's why I didn't say total defense. That's why I said run defense <laughs> and, and, and sacks. Um, but here's the thing is if you look at what – the one thing we don't know about AM is we've never seen Max Johnson with Evan Stewart – and Chris Marshall as options. Those are their two freshman wide receivers at AM that are a wrench. I don't know if you've seen Evan Stewart play. Nah, he can take top off. Hey, coach. No, he's one of them George Pickens looking like, like, I mean, just looks like he's 10 years older than he is and is an absolute game changer. But with the abysmal offense, the terrible, the the, the just static, static ass offense that AM has had. He hadn't really got off yet. If AM beats Arkansas, it's going to be because the world is going to be introduced to Evan Stewart. That it, great take. over. That's it. That's how it's done. It's the weakness of Arkansas, and he is a monster. He'd start at any any university in America right now. He could leave and go to Clemson. He could leave and go to AM. I mean, I mean Alabama. He could go to Georgia, and they'd say, Thank you. You got a starting spot right here at the X receiver, sir. He is a bad man. Wow. Name to remember. I'm jotting notes down because I'm running our social accounts. As soon as he finds the end zone this weekend, Clint, I'm blowing that up. With that I hope plan. he don't. I hope he don't. You <laughs> son of a gun. Listen, you, uh, you said one thing I have to come back to, Clint. You said uh, if Jimbo Fisher goes eight and four, is he on the hot seat? If my dog shits in my backyard, is he on the hot seat? Like Jimbo Fisher goes eight and four. That's what he does. Am I supposed to not expect Jimbo Fisher to go eight and four? <laughs> what are we doing here? We have years of data Look, on this. I, I think you're right, though. I think people are tired of it, but he's going to go eight and four. It's what he does. That And, that, and that's the sad part, though. It's like we, we hold him to, to such a high standard every year, A&M, top 10, and it just somehow seems – since the Johnny Manziel, they just can't get over that hump. They can't be that competitive in that like in that conference. And so, the big to me, the biggest thing is how much money has been spent. And I feel like people in college they some ROI. They want the return on investment. And right now, losing to App State is not is not we're not off to a good start. And then if they if they get another loss, I mean, you two and two after spending all this money on recruiting. And it's just like, like, like a hot seat, maybe not, but frustration for sure. Yes. Eyeball emojis are popping up right now. Darian, we'll say that. 100%. All right. Let's, uh, let's move to your team, Darian Clemson. And uh, I got to be honest, I, I showed some great restraint as a host here because uh, I almost, I almost flipped your, your Texas A&M animosity here of, well, they're getting a lot of praise and a lot of recognition for things they did three, four years ago. I could have flipped that onto the Clemson Tigers here, Derek. I've restrained myself. I stopped. We had, one, we had one bad year. We've had a great run, though. Look, we had in a bad year, AM would buy that year. If AM <laughs> could put up $50 million to buy 10 and 3 a year in a bowl game win, they would, some of them boosters would put that money up and buy last year. So, no, I'm not. Look, yes, but hell no. <laughs> no. Hey, uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. All right. It's a big game for your boys this weekend. Clemson at Wake Forest, true road game, another matchup of ranked teams. Uh, look, I another team, Wake Forest right now, I don't know what to think. It was a clear look-ahead spot last week. 
but they needed some heroics down the stretch to sneak by a Liberty, Liberty. team that does yeah. not impress me much. Shout out to Shania Twain. Great song. Darian, this is obviously an important game for the, the stakes of the ACC. You gave a toast to Hartman earlier in this episode. Obviously, he's critically important to this game, but does having him back under center give Wake Forest a real shot to win this game against your Tigers? Here's, here's my thing. I think last year proved it because last year they came to the Valley and for the first time in maybe ever, they were their higher-ranked team. We played him last year in the Valley, which is crazy. And I think Sam Hartman's able to be – We may have lost him for real. To me, last time. year, uh, you you lost me again. You we, lost we, me again. We lost you again, but you're back. You look, revived look, again. guys. I, maybe look. I didn't check the Wi-Fi when I got this thing. All right, look. Here, here's my thing. Well, I don't know where I left off, but here's here's what I'm saying about Sam Harmon. I think Sam Harmon is able to be Sam Harmon against anybody who doesn't have a dominant defensive line, and so they are able to manufacture that slow zone read and get big plays out of it. He has a big arm. He he's very efficient, but Last year, to me, proved that, like, to me, Wake, Wake's the same old Wake when they play Clemson. They, they came into the Valley, the higher-ranked team last year, which probably was the first time in ever that they were the higher-ranked team, and he couldn't get the ball off. It was a nightmare. And I think this, this defensive line, to me, if they can get to Sam Hartman, it's going to be a long day for Wake Forest. And to, the only true way Wake Forest, to me, can win, they got to put up enough points. Clemson's been scoring points. It's been a little sporadic, and because you watch the Florida games, it hasn't been just, like, high-powered offense. We've shown moments of putting together an offensive side. Um, and so if Wake can slow us down a little bit and Sam Harmon can get the ball off, maybe they got a chance for that. The biggest if is Sam Harmon getting the ball off. I think Clemson's going to apply pressure. Um, but the weakness in we've seen the past weeks at Clemson is teams that can just nickel and dime us have, like, I mean, Furman, La Tech. I mean, it was – I was sitting there – I was at one of those games and one at the, at the career of Washington, and I thought it was like, – they had a good drive. They had a good game. I mean, we were getting picked apart. So if they can pick up some of that stuff the past couple weeks and you got a, you got a veteran quarterback in Sam Harbin who can get it done, that could be a, a scary thing for Clemson. Um, but I really think Clemson is putting it together. You watch DJ Uyunglele the past two weeks. This is the best he's looked since Notre Dame, uh, Boston College two years ago. He He's finally owning the team. It's no more quarterback discussion. We're all here at the beginning of the season figuring out Clubness should get in. It's DJ's team. He's he's running the ship, and they're finally starting to get some confidence in receivers, which we which Clemson's been known to have. Shipley's running the ball. He's seeing yards per carry. So to me, I I I would love to see it be a dominant win for Clemson from top to bottom. We haven't put together a four quarter game yet, so I would love to see that at on at a, on a, in a road game. And to me, to really solidify Clemson being a top four or five team, because I felt we, we've been getting a little bit of benefit out. So I don't think we've played super dominant. I don't know if anybody in the country has besides Georgia. And y'all, man, let's, let's, we got a conversation later. But I felt we've been playing good enough. I would love to see us be a dominant team this week. So I, I put Clemson in that group, to your point. Not up there with Georgia, not yeah. up there with Alabama necessarily. But I put them in that next group where you could throw Michigan around, you could throw Ohio State around, you could throw – USC, Oklahoma around if you really want to. Clint, right. My, right. my question to you from what you've seen, Clint, where does Clemson belong in that? Do they belong at the top of that second tier of college football right now, or do you still have question marks? 
Well, I mean, I got question marks, but I, I think I mean Clemson will until they until they lose their way out of this the top of the second tier. That's where Clemson lives for me. And and to be honest with you, if Georgia wasn't so damn good right now, I mean, they would be right there in the mix with everybody. Look, let's not act like Alabama uh, has everything figured out. They they went down there and, and a Texas team that we don't know a whole hell of a lot about with with their second string quarterback on one damn leg, damn near beat them. I mean, so I don't know that Alabama is just deserves to be in a tier of their own right below Georgia, if we're being completely honest yet. I don't know that they've been really tested to this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Clemson's one of those squads for me, man, is until they prove different, they are definitely – I can't right now – my eyes can't let me put them in the same category with Georgia, but that's everybody. But, but Clemson right. will forever be in that first tier of football teams, if you want to call it the top – the top, you know, the top two or three in the second tier, however you want to couch it, Clemson's right there in the run, and they always will be until they lose out. Here, here's the deal about Wake Forest. Wake Forest is – my math may, may not be serving me exactly right, but Wake Forest, I believe, has played 16 or 17 games between last year and this year. They've been held under 30 points twice. Clemson did it last year and Pittsburgh did it last year. Only two teams, only twice in 16 or 17 games, they've been held under 30 points. And that's what this thing boils down to for me is does Wake Forest go in there and, they, and does this thing turn into a shootout? Wake Forest has got a shot. If they go in there and, and from Jump Street, Clemson's defensive line that everybody's ranting and raving about is worth ranting and raving about and they are wrecking shop, it'll be a run. It'll be a three-touchdown three win again for Clemson. Yeah, it'll be a long day. All right, to, to put a bow on this Clemson-Wake Forest game, simple question, Darian. Does Sam Hartman strike fear into you as a Clemson alum, as a Clemson fan? Is he the type of singular guy who you line up against and you're you're a little concerned because you got to play that dude? Fear, no, but heightened awareness, yes. And always, I said, I look at these past two games, I feel like these past two teams could – can move the ball like they have. I think if Sam Hart, they can manufacture, I would basically steal whatever the two game plans have been the past two games. They've been it's been working against us and do that against us. They got a chance. But like I said, I think it's going to be tough the way they run their offense. If they can't if they can't hold up that the, the D line, it's going to be a long long day for Sam Hartman. And I know he hates playing Clemson. That's what I, look. I don't know how much we hate playing him. I know he hates playing Clemson. And so we'll see if that changes this weekend. <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of dudes that you could say that about in the ACC that you had personal experience against, Darian. So thank you for sharing that. All right. Uh, if you're listening to us on the SiriusXM app, we appreciate you. You can do so every single weeknight during the week and then Saturday as well for our After Dark show after all of the action on a college football Saturday. If you're watching us on YouTube, please click that link, subscribe so you don't miss any of our shows on After Dark for the rest of the season. We're going to move out of the ACC and into my country here, Big Ten country, Wisconsin, on the road at Ohio State. The spread is up to 19 at our friends at Bet Rivers. Uh, that's a lot of points. However, Ohio State's pretty damn good, and this offense is starting to return to form. Clint, where are you at with Ohio State? Similar to my question about Clemson, does Ohio State belong in that tier at the top of it, or are you afraid of this team? Do you need to see more from this team? 
Well, no, no, they, they belong in the top of that tier. Ohio State, again, is one of them. I hate to beat the dead horse, but Ohio State is is one of them that until they they prove that they don't belong, which they have not done, um, they're, they're there. They're right there neck and neck with Clemson. They're in the same conversation with Alabama. They're in the same conversation with everybody other than uh, other than Georgia at this point in time uh, for me. So, uh, Who do you trust more, Ohio State or Clemson then? Let, let's go that route. Who, who Ohio it's, 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 it's Ohio State. I mean, it, 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 with with C.J. Stroud and, and the weapons they have offensively, um, now I know what we've seen um, is against some teams that he should have he should have padded his stats, and and against a team that we thought had a great defense that is a good defense in Notre Dame, not a great defense, not as good as we thought they were. They really struggled. So I don't know what they're going to do here moving forward. That's an easy answer for me, G. I, there, there's no doubt about it. I, I think Ohio State is. It, from a from a from a threat standpoint, from a danger standpoint, from the ability to just be explosive, they're as good as anybody in the country. So I'd go with Ohio State. All right, I feel like we owe Darian a rebuttal chance here. Do you do you side with Clint on that? I plead I plead the fifth at this point. <laughs> at this point, hey, but just know this is a developmental game, and so I'm not saying when it's all said and done that it won't be what it is. But right now, no rebuttal. All right. Well, you're you're an honest man. We appreciate that. And we don't crown champions. We don't crown kings in week four. So we'll revisit this as the season goes on. Let me throw some numbers at you guys here because we talked about this on the Best Bet Show this morning. I have my eye on this number, 19 points being the number. And I think Wisconsin can keep this game close. I really do. Ohio State. Under Ryan Day, nine of the 11 games they have played most recently against ranked teams, they have not covered 19 points. These have historically been pretty close games. Wisconsin, not a top 25 team. I would argue that there's not a loss that is more fluky than Wisconsin's loss to Washington State. If you watched any of that game, if you look at any of the numbers from that game, I can't tell you how that team lost that game. I thought they controlled it from start to finish and it didn't show up on the scoreboard. Wisconsin has beaten the other two teams they've played 104 to 7, gentlemen. And this Ohio State defense to me does have I don't want to say cracks, but they leave the window open for one drive here and there. And if Wisconsin can get the run game going, 19 points a lot of points. Darian, am I crazy for thinking the Badgers can make this a game? I don't think you're crazy. And the reason I say I don't think you're crazy is because I think Wisconsin has a little more offensive firepower than Notre Dame and show that they can hold like somebody Ohio State can be held. Like they they can be, I don't know if all the way, but they definitely sense of like slow them. And so I think this game, if if Wisconsin, Wisconsin's known like throughout the years to have a good defense. That's they kind of pride themselves on running the ball, stop the team, play a slow game, slow death, and it's going to be a long night for you if you can't line up and they go all personnel, two tight ends, they're going to run the ball down your throat. And maybe uh, the connection went out. I mean, you still got me. You're good. All right, look, I saw, I saw the <laughs> table, man. It's play on me today. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, that's how I could, I could see. It's not the, it's, I don't think it's a far stretch to say this game couldn't be close. And if it is close, if they, if they get enough stops and Ohio State's trying to – force the clock against Wisconsin, I think it'd be a long 
day. If Wisconsin can kind of get a couple scores up and just be like five yards, five yards, five yards. They give them their running – I think they got three guys in rotation. They got like 40 carries a game, <laughs> like 40, 40, 40, 50 carries a game. So it, it could – I could see it being that. I'm not saying it will be, but I could definitely visualize it being that type of game. Yeah, I think the first two, two drives are critical of this game. If Wisconsin has to play from behind, that's a tough task to do in Columbus. But if they can just get – manufacture three points for me on the first drive of the game, Wisconsin. Right. I'll just flip that it. game on. I'll keep I'll keep my eyes on that one. Hey, uh, that's, that's, heck yeah, man. I mean, Wisconsin's defense nationally is is in really good shape early in the season now. Um, but, but look, I mean, we haven't seen C.J. Stroud. We thought we saw him against a great defense in Notre Dame. And like I said, they're, they're a good defense. I don't think they're as good as everybody thought they were. So this is a this is as big a, a game for C.J. Stroud as it is anybody. Wisconsin's going to stop the run. Wisconsin's going to do a good job up front, and it's going to be forced into um, C.J. Stroud's hands. And against Notre Dame, he eventually went out there and made that hellacious throw over the middle that won the ball game. But – he didn't have a, a great ball game. He didn't have a resume game. Darren, I think you and I talked about that. Um, you know, I think it's going to be another one of those opportunities. Wisconsin will force it into, into CJ's hands. And then the CJ start lighting that ass up from, from jump and, and have a resume game that, that we're going to watch half of during the Heisman highlights, or does Wisconsin, you know, push him to the, to the, to the fourth quarter and, and give themselves a chance. We'll see. Yeah, Buckeye fans were not too happy with our field of 12 Heisman rankings this week. C.J. Stroud still holding the third spot on the podium right now. Uh, a lot of Buckeyes thought he deserved to jump over Bryce Young, who holds the second spot. So we'll see. Maybe maybe there's field of 12 rankings being plastered in the Ohio State locker room right now. C.J. Stroud wants to put a, put a show on Saturday night. We'll find out. Uh, all right, we're going to get to our game picks here in just a moment. There's one more game I want to quickly hit on with you guys, and that is the aforementioned Notre Dame Fighting Irish mm. at North Carolina. Uh, the Notre Dame offense against the North Carolina defense. Someone tell me what to make of that matchup. Clint, what do you think? Man, I, I mean, somebody's – you talk about weakness on weakness, right? I mean, something's – somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to win. Um, I know after after the way Reese MF that damn quarterback for Notre Dame last week, he better he better get it together for this for this North this North Carolina defense. Man, I, I I don't know, G. I mean, again, I I don't have I don't have that answer. I mean, they they've both been absolutely terrible. Um, it's hard for me to understand how big time programs like this get in that bad of shape on either side of the football, um, and I, I don't have the answer for that. If I'm being honest. Darian, how much North Carolina have you seen this year? I mean, is this just the same old Carolina from your playing days here? Yeah, I mean, I think you just substitute Drake May for Sam Howell. You know, uh, you get a dynamic quarterback. They can score points. Mac Brown and the boys can figure out how to get a, a nice little electric offense going. But they just can never be complimentary on both sides of the ball. That's kind of always been a struggle. They're a competitive team to, to a certain sense, but they can't play complimentary football to make them a complete team, which really makes you a contender within your conference and nationally. Look at this game. Like, Notre Dame hasn't scored over 24 points this entire season. And they and like and to me, it's, it's a hard 24 points. Too. It's not like they scored 20, 24 points early. It's like they are doing all they can to manufacture 24 points. You look at UNC, man, they put up points this entire year. So I can't – I like UNC's offense over the strength of Notre Dame will be their defense. That's kind of – to me, that's going to be the telltale. If Notre Dame can slow Drake May and the boys down, then 
they got a chance. If they can't do that, I can't see Notre Dame manufacturing enough offense. And I hate to say it because I'm I'm a Marcus Freeman fan. I think he's a stand-up guy. I heard nothing but great things about him. I got a couple of my former coaches on the staff now. I would hate to see them get another loss this early. I mean, to be one and three? Oh, not the mighty Notre Dame. But a little bit of a little bit of me. Not I hate that Marcus Freeman's a guy now. I wish it was the other coach, to be honest. But a little bit of me is liking it a little bit because they they hold you know they hold the key to whole college football. So a little bit's like, you know what? For y'all playing, doing all you have done the past years, y'all owe oh, a little yeah. It's kind. Of, it's kind of makes you feel good a little bit, honestly. That's all I'm gonna say. Not go too deep. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. You keep it yeah. real. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I agree with ninety percent of what you're saying. Look, I'm a. I'm from the state of Michigan. We don't love Notre Dame here either. And uh, it was a lot easier to root against Notre Dame when the old coach was there. We all like Marcus Freeman. We think he's a great guy. But you're right. This is a critical game. One and three has a stigma to it in your first year as a head coach. So we'll see. Uh, critical game for them. Big opportunity for them. And uh, we only talked about the negatives because I do think that that Notre Dame defense against that North Carolina offense will be a very fun matchup to watch. All right, we're going right. to get into our game picks. 12 games on the slate, 12 minutes left in the show. We are going to welcome producer Dagan on as well. We don't need to talk about last week. Dagan did a good job. Hack won the week last week, 9-3. and three. Good job, Christian Hackenberg. Uh, and I have redemption. Jeez on my mind this week, boys. So uh, here's how we're going to do this. Clint's going to lead us off. Darian's going to go second. I'm going to go third. Dagan's going to go fourth. We're going to follow that order through all 12 games. I will tee off the game and then put the ball on the tee for Mr. Clint Sterner. Game number one, TCU at SMU. Who you got? I'm riding with TCU. I, I, I don't, uh, I wanted to ride with my man, Rhett Lashley at SMU, but uh, uh, TCU, I got to, I got to go with them, man. I'm going with TCU as well. I got a little Clemson connection, a little Chandler Morris over there. They're putting up some points, so I'm going with TCU. TCU, nice and easy. Keep it simple, Dagan. Well, well, well. SMU, Tanner Mordecai. I'm digging it. Let's do it. Thanks, guys, for the win. I appreciate it. Spicy. <laughs> All right, game number two. Maryland on the road in the big house. Michigan Wolverines. Clint. I'm going with Michigan in this one. Yeah, Michigan. No-brainer. Michigan ugly. I love minus 17 as well. I think this is 28 plus. Ooh, that, that's uh, I, I, I'm going with Michigan as well. Duke at Kansas. The basketball schools have become football schools. This is an undefeated matchup. Clint, what do you got? I'm going to ride with Kansas, man. My, my co-host, Ron the Show Hughley, right here in Houston. He is a monster KU fan. My big boss, Sarah Fraser here, is a a KU grad monster fan. They've got their, I've heard, I, I haven't confirmed this, but I believe they've got their first sellout since like 1982 or something. Not really. I think it was 2000 and something when they, their last sellout, but this is a monster game for them. Uh, they're probably not going to have their coach very long. So I imagine they're going to get behind this squad as, as, as much as they can right now. could be a magical season for Kansas. Um, I'm going to ride Kansas in this Kansas Duke game. I'm going to go with the Dukies. The Blue Devils. I'm going to take um, – I kind of did some more research. I gave an answer earlier to Dagan, but I'm going to go with Duke. Uh, I can undefeated Duke. I feel like they've been fighting for some rights for a long time. I like them going to Kansas, representing ACC, and getting the dub. 
Wow. All right. I, uh, I'm i going Kansas because mostly my heartstrings tell me that Jalen Daniels is my favorite player in the country. I absolutely love <laughs> watching this dude. He's electric. And uh, Clint, to your point, this is a home game. They had one home game to kick off the season. I don't think any of those fans thought anything about this Kansas football team. They had to watch this team go beat West Virginia, beat Houston on the road the last two weeks, and yeah. now come home as a 3-0 and team. There's going to be some juice in that stadium. I got the Jayhawks. Dagan. I have Kansas as well. I don't know. The football team must have saw the basketball team partying up in NOLA this year, so I wanted a piece of that. So, I don't know. They're a 3-0. and Make it 4-0 after this week. Let's do it. Dagan's own Notre Dame at North Carolina. Clint, who you got? Notre Dame at North Carolina. I'm going to ride with the Tar Heels, man. One, they got some of the cleanest unis in the game, first and foremost. But, I, I, look, I, I think this comes down to uh, May, the young quarterback, uh, against a, a, a pretty good defense. And, and I think May against that defense is going gonna, is gonna to put up more points than, a, than that terrible-ass offense that we've watched at Notre Dame is going to be able to put again put up on on a terrible Notre uh, North Carolina defense. I, I, I'm just I'm rooting. Truth be told, I'm rooting for the young quarterback to legitimize what the hell he's been doing. And and I think if he goes and beats Notre Dame, it'll be a it'll be a big time notch in his belt. Yeah, I'm going I'm going UNC as well. I like the swagger I've been seeing from from them, uh, especially Drake May, young quarterback, young gunslinger. So I, I like them in this matchup. But it's gonna break my heart to see Marcus Freeman go one and three. I'm rooting for my man. I'm serious, man. Like, look, black head coach in Notre Dame. Like, I want to see him do his thing. So I'm saying UNC, but my heart will be happy if Notre Dame can figure out some type of way to get a W. So that's a win-win for you. Either your coach wins or your conference wins, right? There you go. Thanks. Either way. Uh, I'm I'm going Carolina as well. I think the Carolina offense is the only constant in this game. And I honestly don't know that Notre Dame against no defense can score as much as Carolina can score against any defense. So Dagan, who you got? This is a true heart pick. I can't pick against Notre Dame. That's my that's my team. I can't pick against them. I'm hoping I'm hoping <laughs> something just clicks, man. I don't know. We talked about this pre-show. I'm hoping that something just I don't know, just figures it out. I don't know. I can't. I don't know more about this. Notre Dame. Let's go. <laughs> Next. Texas at Texas Tech, Clint. I'm going to take them Longhorns, man. A couple of reasons. My wife is a Longhorn, as I mentioned earlier, and it just happens to make for a better weekend if they win. Uh, number one. Number two. Um, look, I, I'd like – I think college football is better when when the Blue Bloods are are, are great and, and winning, and, and Texas is one of them. And uh, like, as I mentioned earlier in my toast, man, all joking aside, for them to, to somehow – you know, four weeks into the season, be the highest-ranked team in the state of Texas if Baylor loses and AM loses. Golly, that would be huge for Steve Sarkeesian and the and the comeback if 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 they if they do end up uh, executing one here this season. So I, I'm going to ride with Texas in this game. Texas, uh, the the Longhorns over the Red Raiders. I like I like Texas, but they've been having a solid season. Build on the momentum. I like them in this game. I got Texas. I called 11 different teams, quote, bad football teams on the betting show this morning. Texas, very good football team. Dagan, who you got? Texas. That's it. Easy. Minnesota at Michigan State. Clint. Minnesota at Michigan State. I'm going to ride with Michigan State on this one. Yeah, I, I don't have too much. Either, either one of these teams, I'm going to go with Michigan State. Yeah, this is uh, one of my locks of the week, gentlemen. Michigan State money line is disrespectful to this program that they are underdogs at home 
against a Minnesota team that I just don't expect to do anything massive in this conference. Give me the Spartans. Bounce back spot. Dagan. Well, let's see. This is going to be the new, newly named uh, computer nerd game of the week. Um, so last week I gave you that, that wonderful PFF stat. Darren, you weren't here. Clint, you remember about you know Syracuse quarterback Gary Schrader. So I want you guys, there's a new top-graded passer in, in Power 5. Do we know who it is? Tanner Any Morgan. Guesses? Tanner Morgan. But I'm going to double down this week. You know who the top-graded rusher in college football is? Don't tell me it's Mo Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Oh Give me God. the Golden Gophers computer nerd game of the week. <laughs> Let's do it. It's 1-0, 2-0 after this week. Let's do it. I hope your computer crashes, Dagan. Kansas, Kansas State at Oklahoma, Clint. Oh, that's OU, man. I, I I got to lay my eyes on OU last week extensively. Um, the, the look, I, I'm just buying everything they're selling, man. You got a defensive-minded head coach that that's going to bring a little bit of a different defensive style to to what the Big Twelve is used to. I think, um, and, and I think offensively. The Gabriel kid, man, I think they hit a grand slam with pairing him with Jeff Levy offensively, man. Not only not only is he an extension of the coach, he's been in the offense before, so their transition clearly is going to be quicker and smoother. But I'm telling you, man, I watched the kid play. I mean, he's just one of them old-school ballers, man. He's just one of them – I, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody at Oklahoma, but I would bet you a large amount of money that if you went in that offensive offensive meeting room – that he is the most popular dude in that room. I, I bet you dudes will take bullets for him. I, I mean, I, he just strikes me as that dude that, and that's powerful, in my opinion, man. That is super powerful. So uh, I, I'm going to ride with OU, and and this is one I made. I picked Oklahoma State to win the Big 12. The, last week, Oklahoma had me scared now. Wow. Yeah, uh, man, Coach Venables, my former uh, coach, I love what he's doing at OU. Took a bunch of the guys from Clemson, building great culture there. So I think it's a no-brainer for me. I think, and also, so this is a special game for him. Coach Venables is a Kansas State alumni. That's where he, that's where he walked on, walked on and played football all that. But then it's gonna be a special win for him to go back as a head coach and get a W at his alma mater. If it scares Clint Sterner, it scares me. Oklahoma, Dagan. Yeah, I like Oklahoma. I agree with Clint 100. I, I like Oklahoma State to win the Big 12, but Oklahoma looks looks damn good. So. I'm going Oklahoma. To the Dirty West Coast. D, Dirty D hanging with Dirty Red on Oklahoma <laughs> State. I see you, Cowboy. That's right, man. Come on. To the West Coast, Oregon at Washington State. A lot of people like the Cougars in this spot. Clint? It pains me to go with Oregon again because I'm not a big Bo Nix man. But I'm going to tell you what, I can't I, – I'm, I'm an honest – I'm an honest man. And what I watched Bo Nix do last week – was uh, was really, really impressive. Oregon seems to have bounced back from that week one loss against Georgia, uh, which, I mean, I, I say that, which everybody's like, oh, yeah, I, I expect Oregon to bounce back. Look, Georgia has, has Georgia has crushed many a dream. So the fact that they bounced back and they're playing well, um, they had some suspect, like, substitutions going on in that, in that ball game, like trying to fold up shop way too early and damn near let, them get, let BYU get back in the game. But as far as Bo Nix goes, I thought he played tremendous. And and, and Oregon is going to go as Bo Nix goes. So I'm going to ride Bo Nix and the, and the Oregon Ducks on this one. Go Ducks. I'm with it, too. I got Oregon. I'm now terrified that all three of us picked Oregon, though. Dagan. Uh, well, he might as well make it all four. I'm going Oregon as well. I uh, 
I, I love Washington State, but I don't know. Like I'm kind of with Clinton as well. Bo Nix looked great last weekend. Um, I, I don't know. I just can't seem to, to get off of that. So sticking with Oregon here. All right, into our top four matchups of the weekend. Wisconsin at Ohio State. Anybody have the nuts hanging to pick the Badgers in an upset here? Clint, what do you think? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to get a little personal here. My, my brother got all the cojones in the family, if I'm being if I'm being completely honest. Just pull, pull the curtain back there about the Sterner boys a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I like Wisconsin to cover Ohio State to win. Yeah, I'm going to go Ohio State. I think this would be a big game. It's at, it's at the crib. They, they need to show up and continue to build C.J. Stroud's Heisman campaign. I like Ohio State. I like that Wisconsin cover Ohio State to win. Mark me down for that. Dagan. Well, let's see. Nuts hanging has been done by nickname here at the uh, at the field of 12 slash field of 68. Um, but I do not have them hanging far enough down, I guess, to pick Wisconsin in this game. Uh, give me Ohio State. We're going to have to take that shirt down from the field of 68.shop, Dagan. That's right. Just so you know. Uh, all right. Clemson at Wake Forest. Clint. Yeah, look, I I tried to talk myself into into Wake Forest, and I seen Wrench was on this with me, so I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta ride. I gotta ride Clemson, man. That that's a, for me. That's a no brainer. Yeah, I'm going Clemson. This is this is the game that solidifies them. I think it's the top five, like playing team, not just saying team, but playing top five, top five team. Clemson goes to Wake Forest and dominates. So Darian told us what happened last year with Wake Forest against Clemson. I was on the wrong side of that last year. I talked myself into the Deeks in this matchup last year. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I got Clemson big. Dagan. Love Sam Hartman, but I'm with, I'm with Darian on this. Love the Clemson defensive line even more. Give me, give me the Tigers. Florida at Tennessee. Big one, Clint. I like Tennessee, man. I, I've just I've personally played at Tennessee on the road. Um, had some ad, had some adversity here. That's a tough ass place to play, man. And I've just seen. I'm I'm very high on Anthony Richardson. I believe from a from a talent perspective, a physical, tangible talent perspective, he's the best that best in the in the country. Um, but boy, what we've seen the last couple of weeks, you just can't ignore. I I think he struggles again in uh, in Neyland Stadium with 102 or 104 thousand. Ball fans uh, singing Rocky Top. I, I, I like Tennessee in this in this particular game uh, in a big way, to be honest. I'm going ahead to Hooker and the boys. I like Tennessee as well. Yeah, I think this is a blowout win for the Vols. Big Dagan. Hendon Hooker, he's the guy, man. I'm buying. I'm buying Hooker. Let's do it. We'll clean sweep. First. <laughs> clean, clean sweep. All right, the game, of the, the game of the week. It's Mr. Sterner's own Arkansas Razorbacks against Texas A&M in Dallas, AT&T Stadium. Clint, bring us home here. I, I have a feeling you got something special for this one. Yeah, man, look, I just think Arkansas is a better football team right now, baby. Look, look, put these, these two teams on paper, and offensively, you might pick one Aggie. You might pick one Aggie over the over the, the Razorback that's on on at, that's playing that particular position, um, and and that one is the one I told you about. Evan Stewart may be the best receiver in this game, freshman uh, for for A and M. He's special, but other than that, I'm, I'm taking Arkansas's O line. I'm taking their quarterback. I'm taking their running back. I'm taking their receiving core as a whole. If I'm being completely honest, I'm definitely taking their tight end. Um, you know, and and, so, and defensively, I think it's it's a it's a good matchup with a with a piss poor A and M offense. So. Um, I'm taking the Hogs in a, in, a, in a big way here. I like the Hogs to, to cover. Well, hell, they're, they're getting to, ain't they? I definitely like them to cover. How about that? Yeah, I'm going Arkansas as well. 
My man. I, I, I like the momentum they got going. Look, I like the momentum. Uh, I think they're going to they play Bama. Uh, and then that's <laughs> it. I, I, I like Arkansas this game. Uh, what happens with Jimbo Fresh after this game? But I like Arkansas. All right, I'm disgusted. I have to do it. I'm taking Texas a and I am, Clint. I'm Dude, sorry. I'm I'm I, was, I, was, I was close. I was close. I was close. I was close. I'm taking the Aggies. Look, I think this is a really, really odd by low spot, weirdly, for Texas A&M. And I don't know if they're good or not. I have no idea. But I just feel like this is a toss-up of a game. And I want to be on the outside of where everybody else is. Give me the Aggies. Dagan. All right, here we go. I I, I don't I, – this was not a thing when we came to the show, but I'm, I'm a fan of the – Dirty red and dirty D. I don't know. I, I like that. I like that, Clint. So I'm rolling with the Razorbacks. I'm all in. Let's do it. Go Hogs. Oh, leave it up to my boy G to screw up the, right, the, man. The, the rotation here, man. I can never <laughs> do that, not, Greg. I can never do that. On, on Arkansas's wide receiver that was at Georgia at one point, Matt Landers. We had the, the Jaden Hazelwood kid from OU, the five former five-star that transferred in, got a lot of attention. Good player. But the Landers kid – He's going to have a breakout game this year that he's going to jump on the scene. It just may be this week. Listen, Clint, what you don't realize is I actually did that out of love for you. You don't want to be on the same side as me in these picks. I've been four and eight the last two weeks. That was a favor to you and the Razorbacks, my friend. And uh, you know what? We appreciate everybody watching this as well. You did us a favor tuning into the Field of 12 after dark right. tonight, and we hope that you do so all season long. We'll be back Saturday night after all of the action, breaking it down live. Gentlemen, this was fun, and we'll see you Saturday night.